0: You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List online. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. What you're about to listen to is a conversation between myself and the son of one of the greats. Griff Dickinson is the son of Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden fame. Griff has his own band. They go by the name of Shapes. The reason for the conversation is to promote Shapes' upcoming release, which is called Greater Than. So let's have a listen to what Griff has to say. Here we go.
1: Hi mate, yeah, all good, thank you. good. am all good. All
0: good. All good. Yeah. yeah, good, yeah, big day at uni for me. So uh I've got a I'm preparing for a bloody speech that I've got to give tomorrow. All uh self inflicted I might add. I volunteered to do it, but you know how it is, mate, you, you put your hand up to do these things in hope in the hope to get brownie points, or in my case enough points to accumulate points to finish my degree and graduate. <laughs> so so it's, oh, it, it's either that or or choose something else which is probably equally as unpalatable. But mate, I'm ready, what can I say? I've rehearsed enough, I'm practised. You know how it is.
1: Well, good luck, mate. I'm sure you won't need it.
0: (laughs) Thanks, mate. So, uh, what's been happening for you guys? I imagine this quite a bit, because your new album, Greater Than, that's out on November 9.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've just been, at the moment, I've just been doing shit tons of press, kind of pottering my way around Europe, and got got our our London Press Day next week, and rehearsing for tour, and but releasing in music videos, <laughs> it's all just been a bit fucking chock a block, really.
0: But, um, yeah, I can imagine
1: yeah, it's all, all good, all good. It's busy all be... is better
0: than not busy, yeah. And, and look, it's it's got to be very exciting too for you because you, you're you creating a sound. So, the press release I've got here states Trivium, um, Meshuggah, Tesseract, Sixth, and The Contortionist. I think that's a pretty good comparison as well. And this is music at the moment that's starting to find its way. Onto festivals. So is that something that, that you guys have been offered in, in the, uh, I know it's summer for us down here, but I know it's winter going to you guys, but is the festival gigs, are they being offered to you guys very much because of this release?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, we, we have, we've been playing festivals since kind of we started really, you know, we've been doing downloads, we just did Reading and Leeds and- um, Oh, there you go. You know, mm. Hellfest in France and stuff. So yeah, we've, we've been doing the festival circuit for a while.
0: Mm. Okay, now is this an album though? Because I've only been able to—I've got the songs. So I haven't got an advance of the album. I can check out the three tracks that are available. I think they're on YouTube, so I've had to listen to them. But is this an album that say fans of you—the fans of your first release—are they going to be surprised by it? Do you think have you thrown in a few surprises for them?
1: I think um, I think in some respects people won't be shocked to hear. What we're coming out with now, I think it's, in some respects they were, in some respects they weren't. You know, our last record always did have elements of kind of quirky aside hip hop nods, kind of jazz nods, mm. rapping nods, that sort of stuff. But it was those. That's all they were really was just nods. Now we have entire songs that completely take what would have been previously a nod, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. um, and and we kind of extrapolate that into a whole song. So I think in some respects, some people are going to probably hate it. The pure metal fans are probably going to hate parts of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we're going to garner so much more attention. And I think this is really, we've really put out an album that can entertain people that aren't into metal, which is quite important for me. I don't just want to solidify our music for one style of music taste. No. Mm.
0: It gives you options at the very least, doesn't it? And it also means that when you come on the radio or in a playlist or whatever it might be, people don't turn off your music straight away if they're not into metal.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of the, exactly that, but one of the major things is just screaming. You know, the amount of people that are into metal, but as soon as they hear screaming, they just write it off. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. they're singing a note, it doesn't matter if the chorus is fucking great. If they hear, as soon as they hear that growly voice, they're out of there. Um, And that was one thing that I wanted to try and bridge the gap with, you know, because on the last record, it was very much, I had two voices, a singing voice or a screaming voice on this one. I've tried to merge the two so that you're still getting all the aspects of melody. And it's more of like a Dave Grohl is most aggressive rather than just straight up screaming,
0: you know? Hmm, yeah. Hey, look, I'll get the question out of the way because I had a chat to Evan Stanley about the same thing. You know who that famous surname belongs to, like yours does as well. So I hope you don't mind me asking, but I'm going to flip the question around a little bit and ask it to you this way. Do you get punished by a lot of indie journalists and by fans because of the famous association that you've got with your father? Or is it one of those things Absolute where they...
1: fucking loot there.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought, it's, mate. Um, yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, it's, it's about <laughs> every single interview... Uh, especially for this record, uh, from from um, international press has just been riddled with questions, and I think it's usually just a bit of an easy sell for lazy journalists that are just trying to get something out of you that people will click on online. So um, mm. you know, I've I've been really riddled with them, especially from the. Um, the European press, to the point that it's almost more questions about that than about the band in question. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, I thought that might have been the case, mate. It's never easy, is it? I mean, you're standing on your own two feet. You've got a wonderful band here, and the three songs that I've heard, mate, should do wonderful things for you, but if the journalists aren't focusing on the music, it's very hard to get the message out there.
1: True. At the same time, if the journalists aren't focused on the music, they're probably not that interested in the band in the first place. So they're it's mm. probably not going to get a prime time slot anyway, so there's no skin off my back to shoot people down, but keep trying to, you know, get that story out of me.
0: Mm. Yep, fair enough, mate. All right, let's talk about Jim Pinder, because he's done really bloody good work with uh, Bullet For My Valentine and also Machine Head, but was he someone who you actively sought out to produce the album? or oh, no, he actually he engineered it, didn't he? Uh,
1: so he engineered our first record and then Carl Baum produced it. Um, but I mean, to say, to say engineer is kind of a bit of a it's kind of not giving him enough credit he he like co-produced it and engineered the first record this record he produced um and you know he, he did the last record so we were recommended him by our management team um and i think he did a terrific job of really helping us find our sound especially on this record um he just asked the right questions at the right times and lets you figure out figure out what you know which way you want to go but he's kind of like a human flow chart where you'll go oh i'm thinking about doing this and he goes is that what you really want to say is that what you, i mean like it's your album but if that's what you really want to say and then you kind of go through and you're like ah oh, do you know what you're right you're right and he you you were still the creative one in the process but he does stop you at various processes um yes. and yeah he, he was fantastic to work with He was instrumental to us now
0: where was it recorded what studio
1: at um, Treehouse Studios, where Jim Pinder works with Carl Baum.
0: That's in Wales, is that right?
1: It's in um, uh, Chesterfield, which is kind of up near Sheffield. It's up north in England.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah, I'm reading the wrong thing on the press release. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so is that... Is yeah, that,
1: no, it
0: was, it was... Sorry, go on. Yeah, so you wrote the album in Wales. So that's what I was trying to figure out, okay? So you actually went somewhere with the band, with the express person purpose of writing an album? Is that what happened?
1: Yeah, so we um, we just come off tour and it's it's always such a kind of a bit of a ball like, really us all meeting up because we all live around the country, um, and there's so many distractions and all that kind of shit. You know, the, there's internet everywhere and everyone's yeah. got like girlfriends and all this stuff. So it was just like let's book let's book a little cottage in the middle of fucking nowhere. Um, it had no phone signal, no internet. Um, it was so you could put a, you could put up a drum kit and smacked the shit out of it at five o'clock in the morning and no one around you could hear you it was genuinely like <laughs> middle of fuck nowhere couldn't drink the tap water that's that kind of shit um
0: oh shit really yeah, god yeah
1: that's went, pretty went out there, there and locked ourselves away for a week um with about 10 crates of beer and some food <laughs> and just fucking pedaled our way through the uh, writing process i think we actually only came out of that with about one full song and then a shit ton of ideas, but those ideas ended up kind of sprouting into what were these songs now.
0: Hmm. How do you resolve band disputes then? Because there's five of you, there's a bloody lot of you in the one band, and uh, I know even being in trios myself, because I'm a musician as well, it's been hard sometimes there, but do, do you have conflict, and how do you resolve the conflict if it arises?
1: Um, it, it's a difficult one, and unfortunately democracy kind of usually course
0: um it fails doesn't if, it, it to be honest doesn't it democracy
1: it 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 does it does but at the same time that's kind of the only way to really do things if someone feels really like obviously there's still room for debate, debate and stuff but you just have to kind of go all right well it's me against four other people here so i'm gonna have to go with the majority
0: yeah it's a tough one uh that one right there so would would you say you guys are a, are a cohesive unit so say if you were offered a mega tour like a, a six-month trek, if you like, across Europe and then a, a bit of a, uh, a jaunt across North America as well, do you reckon you'd survive?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think when, when we're on the road, that's not... that Being around each other isn't the hard part. It's being creative Creative, together. yeah. That's when the real disputes arise because, you know, everyone everyone gets along like a house on fire. You just go and party and do dumb shit and it's, it's very easy to get along like that. It's when... Um, so when you start having to make yeah creative decisions and people's you know people disagree that's that's when it gets difficult but we we as time goes on, we've like learned massively how to to get through those processes a lot easier you know um yes, But back two years ago, it was like fucking everyone was butting heads, and as time goes on you just you learn how to deal with people, I guess.
0: Yeah, you, and, um, you do, and and look, one of the fellas that you can contr- you collaborated with with Matt was Matt Heafy, and God knows how much drummer dramas as I call them he's had with his band. But what did he give you any words of advice? So, like when you were just chatting after a couple of bevvies, that sort of thing. Did he did he sort of impart any wisdom or words of words of knowledge to you?
1: Dude, that that guy from like from the second I've known him, from the second I've been in the band, has always um, even, even when I haven't like prompted him, he's always kind of done everything that he he can to try and help me out in any way. Um, he's very much like a a student and as a result, a teacher. Do you know what I mean? He, mm-hmm. he studies everything he does and he wants to be the best and most technic technically like precise at what he does. Um, so especially with like my voice and stuff like that. Uh, anytime I need kind of, if I'm having a tr- trouble with one little section, I'll just shoot him a message and be like, dude, every time I try to do this, this keeps happening you got any ideas? Um, and he's spent <laughs> a lot more money on his voice and vocal coach and stuff than I have. So I just kind of go and pick his brains and pull out some little nuggets, which are thankfully not as expensive as what he pays.
0: <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And, and yeah, they, they weren't the first band. I know I read it just reading the press release. They're one of the bands that's on there. Now I can hear the music after it was mentioned. I can hear the relationship between shapes music and trivium's music, but they weren't the first one that came to mind. But, um, you're obviously a big fan of Trivium, as am I. So, which is your favourite album from them?
1: Oh, I mean, the band, the the album that I got into them on was Ascendancy. But when I listen back today, I think it, Ascendancy, when it came out, was like fucking mind blowing. But I think the production on um, Shogun is just is, is a lot better. So I'm probably gonna have. to... Ah, for now, I'd prefer to listen to Shogun than the to send it to you myself.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with you. Yeah. I, I, look, God, I, look, if it's okay with you, I'm intending on releasing this as a podcast episode, so I'll ask you that now. Is that cool if I do that? Because it's, I always. I don't try to be controversial about things, but the reason I bring that up is I don't like most of the stuff they've done since Shogun because I think Shogun was such a fantastic album any band would have trouble following that so has he has he talked to you about some of the some of the issues that they've had in creating music that fans would like
1: um you know like they've told him he i've spoken to him about kind of like their trajectory and kind of where where they've been at and whether they're going up or they're going down and kind of stuff like that Hmm. um but you know just before we just before they released the last record, was when we went on tour with them, and now they're the biggest now that they've ever been. You know, they just they just mm. sold out Brixton Academy basically by themselves, um, which is fucking that's that's awesome. You know, when every other band, Machine Head are breaking up. You know, like Killswitch are kind yeah, of yeah. What the hell's going on just, there? Yeah, you know, Killswitch are like supporting Bullet for My Valentine and stuff like. Like the bands, metal bands from that era, aren't as big as they were. Um, And Trivium are the only ones that are coming out of it with, you know, swinging, Um, which is fucking awesome, you know, because for a very long time, they weren't the cool metal band to like. Um, And it just kind of goes to show you stick to your guns and you fucking try hard and you'll you'll persevere, which which I really respect about those guys.
0: No, um, I, know, I know what you're saying, and you're bang on point, because it was about, I don't know, seven years ago or so, Trivium toured as a support. I don't know whether it was a major support or a minor support, but either way, they toured underneath bloody Disturbed. Now, don't get me wrong, Disturbed aren't the most engaging metal band on the planet in 2000 and whatever year it was. And I really felt – I actually thought it, it should have been the other way around, but that was obviously my impression – of uh, what the band delivered on Shogun, The Crusade, and also Ascendancy. But to your point, that's really heartening to hear that fans are actually re-engaging with their music and they're understanding that Matt is a an epic contributor to heavy metal. And they aren't letting the band go because you, you mentioned a couple of bands there, and one of them, Machine Head. I heard the news over the weekend, actually, or just before the weekend arrived last week. and. Um, Rob's Rob's been out there saying some stuff, let's face it, he's been out there saying some stuff and he's been putting his opinions out there and that's pissing a lot of people off, I think. And my view on that is it's probably pissed off some of the people in his band, not the content of what he's saying, but he's putting a lot of undue pressure on the band. Is that something, Is that, does that resonate with you as well if I say that or do you think I mean, it's more... I
1: mean, about Machine Head specifically?
0: Yeah, Machine Head specifically, yeah. I
1: mean, to be honest, I think um, there's no doubt that when someone starts doing a podcast and kind of putting their opinion out into the world, unless the whole band stands behind him, which is extremely fucking unlikely with a group of, you know, mm. elderly men, effectively, you know, they're, they're probably mid, mid forties. Um, it's very unlikely that all of those people's political, social, etc. opinions will combine. So, um, I can imagine that that was probably a, a frustrating factor. I don't, I can't imagine that was the factor why they got, why they all quit around him. I think it probably goes to show that his opinion um, online is just kind of like but a mere fraction of how opinionated he is offline. Um, And he probably just held on too tight and put too much pressure on the band. And I I think he maybe was stuck in stuck in the mindset that he was still in 2007 and still you know, riding off the back of the blackening and the biggest metal band going mm. at the time, yeah. um, which maybe, maybe sent him into oblivion. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But uh, Yeah. It's, That's it's a shame. A good point. But I, I can't say, I can't say it's, it's a shock.
0: Yeah. And look, you're only expressing your opinion. We're not talking about facts here. We're just talking about what we're just speculating, really. But look, I go to a uni where there are, are a lot of North American students that go through there. So I do talk to them and uh, I think Brits like Australians, we're very cynical of politicians. So we don't re- we're not, if pressed, we'll take a side, but we don't really put it out there is what I'm saying. It's very, apart from people like Lily Allen, who's on a big bloody, you know, soapbox at the moment with what she's doing and had she has been for a while, most of us stay out of it. But mate, the Americans feel really drawn to taking a position, don't they? Even when they have no business to do so, like Rob to me, dude, you're in a heavy metal band, one of the greatest of all time. Stick to that. Your opinions about Trump and about some of the social issues that are happening in the States, you're not fully educated. You don't have all of the information to be isolating all of your fa- – not all of your fans, sorry, but some of your fan base the way you are. And I just – I can't help but feel that ever since the Phil Anselmo thing, when he came out and he did that that thing about Phil's thing that he did at the um, Dime Bash – it's just been, yeah. it's just, he sort of, to me, as an outsider, I've never met him, never spoke to him, probably never will, but he seems like as though he's putting a lot of undue pressure on himself and therefore the band by making these comments. And I think it sort of echoes the, the comments you're saying, but in a different way. Do
1: you know what, Matt? I think that's a very, uh, I hear what you're saying, but I think it's a very dangerous kind of path to tread saying, you know, you, 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 effectively, you're, you're a musician, you should play music and not get political, which I don't think is i don't i don't agree with that i think everyone has a right to speak out on any aspect and if you choose to speak out on your band's social media so be it if you you know you run the risk of alienating alienating people but if that's if that's what you're about then that's absolutely fine you know I've, there's certain things that i talk about on this record that will most de- definitely alienate some people but that's because i want to talk about them and i'm not going to go and make like the telly album to kind of mm. go and <laughs> to go and make it, you know, everyone interested in my record because they probably fucking won't be. He needs to speak about, some, needs to speak out. And I think bands like Rage Against the Machine never would have come about if people didn't speak out about shit that they really care about. Um, so uh, I think I think with with Rob, you know, he can say whatever the fuck he wants. Um, if someone started kind of going and sticking up for Phil Anselmo on my band's social media, I'd probably kick off. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yep. You know, um, it is it is what it is, and he's allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants to do. I don't think yeah. you should ever tell someone that they can't speak out about what they want to speak out about. There.
0: No, that's a fair point. I guess it just comes back to your career, though, and, and the consequences on your career, doesn't it? So there are always consequences, and, and Machine Head started out as just a balls-to-the-wall heavy metal band, and the politics has only really come along in the last two years, whereas... With Rage, you got that straight away. As soon as you bought that album back in 1993, and because I'm 40, I did, (laughs) and you saw that Burning Monk on the front cover, you knew that whatever the hell was going on inside of that album was going to be some pretty... There's going to be some pretty sharp commentary inside of that. But no, look, I take your point completely, and I wouldn't suggest for a moment that, that artists and bands don't have an opinion, but... There are consequences, unfortunately, to having an opinion. God knows, even even in my position as a very lowly nobody podcaster and uh and uh interviewer, indie journalist. Um yeah, I've always tried to be careful with the comments that I make. But uh it's important to think to your point too, to to have an opinion and to stand within your own truth on these things.
1: Yeah, totally, but you know, having having consequences is just a part of life. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do something. If you if you really believe in it, you gotta deal with the consequences, no?
0: Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right, mate. So when are you coming down here? When's that looking likely?
1: Um, as soon as fucking possible, really. Uh, as soon as we get a gig booked, we're all ready to leave. I can have my shit packed in 20 minutes. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. No worries. And have you had a lot of feedback from us over social media? Uh,
1: from from the Aussies?
0: Yeah, from Australia. Sorry. Yep.
1: Uh, I haven't had a great deal, actually. I've, I've seen one or two interviews pop up um, online, but I don't know. I've not... I'm not actively searching for them, to be honest, but I haven't, no, I haven't had that much, but hopefully uh, it all kind of hits the ground and we can, um, we can get some traction over in Australia.
0: Well, good on you, mate. Thanks very much for the conversation. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series. My name's Andrew McKay-Smith, and that was a conversation with Griff Dickinson, the son of Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden fame. He has his own band. They go by the name of Shapes. Thank you so much for listening.